I, I like it like the next guy, man. I, I, I love it when God just hits us with power and power, power. Like you get excited before you go into a game, right? You get all pumped up and you're like, it's game time, baby, right? I love that. But sometimes God speaks to us and gets to us differently. And this morning, I feel like God's presence and power, uh, power was just as powerful as it is when we're all pumped up. But he came in a different way. He came in a sweet, strong spirit today. And he's speaking to all of us. Uh, you know what I love? I love lots of things about God. Well, one of the things I love a lot about God is that he talks and speaks to us all differently at the same time. It's incredible. Right? I, I got one word. I'm going to preach it the best I can. I prayed and prepared all week. But God's going to speak to each and every one of you differently at the same time with the same word. He's a good God. And he's worthy to be praised. I don't know about you, but I don't want any mountains, trees, lakes, or rivers crying out to God in my place. I need to worship the creator. Worthy. Amen. I'm just staying for a moment because I want to be sensitive to what God wants to do. I just I feel that some of you are brokenhearted this morning. I just want to tell you, if you if you can lock eyes with me, I just want to look at you slowly. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It is. You try not to look at me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, it's going to be okay. He loves you. He hears your prayers. You're a prayer warrior. I know that. People know that. But sometimes you wonder if you're going to get through it. You are. He's with you. It's going to be okay. He loves you. Amen. 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 It's going to be okay. That's weird. That's a weird look. <laughs> it's going to be okay. All that's going to be okay. I love it. Uh, it's going to be okay. Amen? It's going to be okay. Right? God's a healer. He doesn't always heal like we think he needs to heal, but he always heals. Right? Amen. I believe God's a healer. He can heal you. You believe it? I believe in miracles. I do. I've seen them. Have you seen a miracle before? Yes. Yeah? I believe God's going to do a miracle in your life because he loves you. Amen? Let it be, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's going to be okay. Mm. God's got a word. This has nothing to do really with the word, but it's going to be okay. 
It's gonna be it's gonna be okay. Yeah? I hope the lions win too. <laughs> it's about time. Amen. It's gonna be okay. Right? It's gonna be okay. You've been battling, brother. You've been battling. And you always feel like you have to be tough for everybody else. But I want to remind you that you are in God's hands. No matter what happens. No matter how tough you think you got to be, you are a child of God and just crawl up in his lap. Daddy's got you. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. Praise God. You're going to be okay. I know. Even when you're not okay, you're still okay because you're with God. That's right. Amen? Amen. 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 It's beautiful this morning. Amen. It's going to be okay. Amen. It's going to be okay. Some of y'all getting nervous. I like it. I like it. Sweaty in church. Not just praiser size, but get sweaty when the pastor comes by. Amen. It's going to be okay. Right? Give me some. Let's see you. Calvin, give me some, big daddy. Amen. You got a good word on Wednesday, huh? God's doing some stuff in your life, right? Lean into it. Don't go away. Yeah? You guys ready for breakthrough? Yeah, yeah. I know you're, you're searching. You're searching. You're digging. Don't give up. Okay? When you get discouraged, you reach out to the church family, and we're going to get a shovel, and we're going to help you dig. <laughs> Amen? We're going to help you dig. Yeah. Okay? Quit digging on your own. The Bible never says dig on your own all the time, right? Bear one another's burdens. Amen? You let, it, you let us dig. Okay? But you got to tell us what we're digging for. <laughs> that means you can't always be secretive on your own, right? Quit fighting on your own. You can't do it on your own. You've been trying and you're failing. God is your strength and he gives us a church family to help lift us up. Amen? Amen. You're loved. You're both loved. We love your kids too. <laughs> Amen? Maybe even an extended family. I don't know. Bring who you like. Amen. So we can meet them. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I just feel like I need to do that. My wife wanted to encourage me to step out. And she was right. She was right. Church, God loves you. He does. Some of y'all have been church too long that you forget how much God loves you. Come on now. You've been church so long that you have not had an encounter with the living God in a long time. You're walking in the motions, but God wants to break you free from that. He wants to have an encounter with you. It's okay to walk through the motions because sometimes you got to grind to get through the mud. Sometimes you got to grind to get through the desert. Sometimes you got to grind to get through the valley, but there are times that you got to get out of those things and allow God to just be God and you be you. Allow yourself to be human and encounter the living God that created you just for a moment. Just pause for a moment and stand in awe of God. He wants to touch you. He wants to remind you who you are and who he is for you, in you, and through you. He's a good God. Amen? It's going to be okay. Even when it doesn't feel okay, it's going to be okay. If you have God 
the Bible says even death, even death doesn't even have a sting. That's, that's the one, ask any human being, that's the one thing that scares everybody. Death. And public speaking, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Number one fear is public speaking, okay? That's just, this is why I don't eat before I come on Sunday mornings. <laughs> Hallelujah. You should see your faces. I, I'm going to totally be honest for a second. That was really fun to walk around and see how scared you got. That was awesome. About, about time you had a little taste of your own medicine. Hallelujah. I feel good. Feels good. Brother John, come on now. He does it every single time. It, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. Makes people nervous, but you get to speak to them, right? Right? God isn't just up on a platform. By the way, next time we make a platform, it will definitely not be this high. Um, I feel like I'm lording over you. I hate that. But it is mostly because the way people in the back can see. But it will be lower because, you know what? Jesus wasn't lording over people. He went and he was with the people, right? But the authority of God's word does come from the pulpit. And, and I don't want to encourage you. I don't know uh, what church you go to. And maybe some of you have gone here for a long time. Some of you are visiting. But if you don't have a pulpit that is preaching God's word, then this means nothing, Okay. It means that this is the authority of God's word. There's a purpose and a place for the pulpit, and it should preach God's word to the best of our human ability. It should not be compromised because of somebody's emotions, somebody's whatever. Um, it should be God's word and God's word alone. And it's alive, it's active, and it, it is full of grace, but it is also full of truth. It is also uh, full of freedom and justice. Okay, there is a such thing as sins. There is a such thing as right and wrong. There is forgiveness. And there is also taking that forgiveness for granted and running with things because you want permission and a license to sin. God is not in those things. If you feel like you've been blessed and you are living a life of sin, I want to ask you right now to turn from your ways. There is something better for your life. If you know what is wrong and you know what is right and you choose the wrong thing, James tells us that it's sin. You need to turn from your sin. Get to the altar. Ask God for forgiveness. And guess what? He will forgive you. But if you get back up and you go back into those things, you are going to feel alone. Why? Because you are taking for granted what God has given you. There is truth. There's a better way to live, church. There's a better way to live. you got to break that bondage. And if you can't do it on your own, you get around your church family and allow us to speak into your life and hold you accountable. The Bible talks about it all the time. God's word will keep you accountable and God's people should keep you accountable. And if you get offended because you're getting accountability, that's your fault, not ours. That's not church hurt. That's accountability. Okay, right? We love you enough to tell you the truth. Proverbs talks about that. It's better to have a harsh word from a friend than it is kisses from an enemy. If all you want to do is get your ears tickled, you're in the wrong church. But let me tell you, when you're down and out, we will help you and we will pick you up, right? We will help you dig. We'll help you dig, but we want to give you the truth. Somebody in here needed to hear that today, okay? Quit trying to let, quit trying to manipulate God's word to fit your life. Quit trying to manipulate God's word to fit your life or your preferences or your sins. That's not how it works. It's not how it works, right? 
so many things right now. It's like, oh, there's hate speech, this and that, hate, hate speech. Uh, the Bible's full of hate speech. No, the Bible is truth. You don't know the Bible. Just because it calls out your sin doesn't mean it's condemning you to hell. It's giving you an answer out of your sin. You are so twisted. It is not hate speech. It is love. Trust me, I read the Bible all the time and it really offends my flesh. And it makes me upset. And I'm like, come on, man, right? But it's true. I mean, so many people in the house, if not everybody in the house, you've walked both ways. You've walked in the world and you've walked with God. And let me tell you, the world is fun. But the Bible says it will lead you to death. Keep walking the world's way. That's cool. And then one day you're going to get on your knees and you go, where are you, God? He's like, I was way over there where you left me. I was feeling the anointing. I am way over there where you left me. And he doesn't say you're too far gone. He stands there with his arms open and he asks for you to turn around. It's called repentance. A turn around and run toward him. And he won't just stay stationary. He will run to you as well. I love what Paul says, right? Grace abounds. There's so much grace for our sins. Is that a license to sin? And then, and then in you know, whatever version you, you read, uh, the, one of the main versions that I read says, does it give you a license to sin because of God's grace? And Paul says, literally, of course not, explanation point. <laughs> now, why would he write that? Because that's what people think. They dealt with that 2,000 years ago that, hey, God's grace is great, so I'm just gonna do whatever I want all the time. Oh, because it's there, it's for me. God's grace is for me. You are cheapening the gospel. You're cheapening what he has you. You are cheapening the sacrifice, the greatest one he has ever made because you want a license to sin. That is not the gospel, right? That might be those mega church. I'm gonna tickle everybody's ears. Thank you for your finances so I can get my Beamer, right? And, and my jets and my prosperity. Oh, by the way, okay, I'm going there. By the way, prosperity gospel. Uh, okay, first off, let me say this. Does God want you to succeed? 100%. Because if you are in God and you succeed, God succeeds. Of course, of course, right? Does he want you to live in poverty? Of course not. He does not want you to live in poverty, right? He, the guy lives, right? He, God lives in a place that have gold on their streets. You step on one of the most precious things here on earth. And that's just a regular walk, right? That's a daily walk. He don't want you poor. But the prosperity gospel is from, in my opinion, it's from the devil. It's twisted. Here's the reason why I say that. Here's the reason why I say that. Some of y'all might believe it. I, I want to just say one thing and I want you to study it. You die, you get up to heaven, you meet Peter, you meet James, you meet some other disciples, and you tell them, hey, did you guys appreciate and love the prosperity gospel too? Did you name it, claim it? Did you live your life full of abundance all the time? And you were, everything was great all the time. And when something bad happened, it must be from the devil. Really? They lived their entire life on the run, preaching the gospel. 
and almost all of them died a terrible death. Tell me about that prosperity. I don't know where people get that and they twist it. Does God want you to be prosperous? Absolutely. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath, right? He loves you. You're the apple of his eye. He has great things for you. Does he want you to be healed by the stripes of Jesus? In Isaiah, you are healed. And by, by the nails, you are set free. Oh, yes, this is truth. But if it's all about your kingdom, you have lost God's kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. It's about his ways, right? He has a plan for your life. Guess what? He answers prayers that are according to his purposes. Man, this has literally nothing to do with what I'm talking about today, but I feel like I just need to flow in this. Maybe I just need to get it out. I'm, I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to sleep good tonight. Hallelujah. It's been a while since I've slept good, so I'm ready. There's just so many things that we believe, mostly because we want to, because they're convenient, not because they are gospel. There's a lot of mindsets that we have that are not of God, but we've created them and then we've labeled it, this is God. Okay, let me tell you a pet peeve of mine. It drives me bonkers. Okay, and you gotta be real careful, church. You gotta be real careful when you say, thus says the Lord. <laughs> you will be accountable for those words. Oh, God is just leading me in this direction, brother. I was like, that's weird because it doesn't line up to God's word at all. Uh, let me tell you, that probably is not God. You are stamping God on it so you feel better and you can sleep at night. But guess what? You got to be careful, said, thus says the Lord. Because if thus says the Lord is not the Lord, then you have lied. And you have blasphemed his name. Be careful. I'm not saying you can't say it. What I'm saying is I, I pray that you make sure it is from God. And you keep doing things or saying things or believing things and said, that's what God said and that's what I believe. If you can't back it with God's word, it's probably not truth. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. Okay? Amen? Amen. That's good. That's good. Okay. All right. Sermon. <laughs> Which page to start on? Hallelujah. Hmm. Just thinking. Trying to be led. Well, first off, you can open up your uh, Bible app if you have it with you. Okay, if you brought your phone, we want you to open up your phone in church. Some of y'all, we already see that you have your phone open. And maybe get off that game and get on the Bible real quick, Okay. <laughs> Right, we got people up top. They see it all day, every time, right? Right? Thank you, Jay. He's, there he's clapping for himself. Hallelujah. Look at me. Yeah. Spying on people. Making it weird. Awesome. Oh, but he's watching. So is Josh. He's just quieter. Okay, open up your Bible app. If you have it, version. version Bible app, okay? Um. You're going to open it up and you're going to go at the bottom and it says more. There's three little stripes. You're going to click on more. We've done this all month long, but maybe you haven't been here, so I want to explain it to you. Uh, we're trying a new thing with, it, with uh, notes. Um, Pastor Mark does it every Wednesday night when he teaches. He, he teaches at least once uh, every month, every Wednesday night. He's our teaching pastor. 
and um, he actually helps me put these notes together, and I appreciate that. So you go to version, you go to more, you click on more, and you'll look down. There's a list of things. You'll click on events, and if you are on our Wi-Fi or you are local right now, you'll probably see First Church of the Open Bible, which is our legal name. Um, you'll see that right then and there. You can click on it, and that's today's notes. You can just open it right there. Now, the thing that you want to do is when you look at those notes and you can take notes on those notes, you want to press save at the top. Otherwise, this time next week, it's gone. It'll disappear. You'll never have it again, and it'll be gone. And the next time you'll remember it is on Judgment Day. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> oh, that was good. That was funny. Um, it just came right out. Hallelujah. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and open up. Go to more. Go to events. It's usually like five down or so, and then you click on our church, boom, you're in the notes today. The reason why I want you to open your notes, because I don't know exactly what I'm going to preach, and you will have notes on something that I planned to preach. So you are welcome. Go back and read it, and then uh, come up to your own sermon based off of my notes. Hallelujah. That's good. Tell your friends the sermon that you came up with based off of these crazy notes. All right, so a couple things here. We are going, my name is Pastor Harris, by the way. I'm the lead pastor here at First Open Bible. It's my honor today to bring God's word to you. And I won't take too much time in bringing the word because God wants to do something at the end of service today that I believe is still evident, still what God wants to do. So uh, we're going to conclude our monthly series titled Reset, okay? Winning the war in our mind. Amen? Are some of your thoughts out of control? Don't you look at your neighbor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure are. Take off your robe, judge. Hallelujah. But do you long to break free from the spiral of destructive thinking? I want you to let God's truth become your battle plan, the battle plan to win the war in your mind. God's got something better for your life than your old ways of thinking. It's time to change your mind so God can change your life. Amen. I want to go back to what I was saying earlier to kind of tie into this. A lot of times we want God to bless our mess, right? There's even things that say that. Bless this mess. Bless this mess, right? Just bless it. Bless that mess. You know what God really wants? He doesn't want to bless your mess. He wants you to clean up your mess so he can bless you. Amen? Bless this mess. Come on. Put some dirty clothes away. Put them dishes in the dishwasher, right? Get your mind right. Quit sinning and saying, God, bless this mess. See, God's got to change your mind so he can change your life. You can't ask God to bless a mess if he's been asking you to get out of it. Bless this mess. A.K.A., I want a license to sin. I don't feel blessed because you're maybe not walking in his promises. But I don't feel God's presence because you're probably not following his commands. It doesn't mean he's left you. It means you have left him. What I love about God, because I've done it over and over again in my life, is God is always there when I say, Lord, I recognize what you've been saying, and I'm sorry. I want to turn to you. I've messed up. It wasn't you. It was me. Forgive me. 
And never once did I feel guilt or shame. He always, always has taken me back. And what I love is he takes me back and he teaches me a better way. Right? He doesn't take me back and then send me back out to do the same stupid thing. He tells me a better way. But a lot of times he won't talk to you until you confess, until you realize, until you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and your heart and your mind and say, I was wrong. I need help. I need something changed. And then seek him to find him and get his truth. And when you do that, he will set you free. Because the Bible says that truth, his truth, Jesus, the gospel, the living word, the written word, the truth will set you free. Amen? Amen. Pastor Mark, thank you so much for your word last week. You're a great teacher, and I I really appreciate that. Amen? It's a huge blessing. We have two great men of God in in the house that... that, um, when I have a lot going on and I can't write a sermon. By the way, the sermons don't write themselves. Some people can write sermons quickly. I cannot. I mean, minimum 15 hours, maybe 20 every week to write a sermon. Well, a lot of times there's a lot of things that go on, and so I can't write a sermon, so we have other people preach. It's a blessing because I got other things I got to do, right? And or I'm gone, or and there's an emergency or something. And so I'm so blessed that I never have to worry that when these men come up that they're going to preach heresy, right? My name is Harris. That's my job. Joking, kind of funny. I, my very best not to do heresy, right? Okay, stupid joke. I've said it for years. since. You still laugh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, anyway, but I'm very thankful. Thank you, Pastor Mark and Reverend John. Thank you for what you guys do. Uh, I don't know about you, but man, this, this series has been powerful for me. It's been powerful. I've been praying and, and I've been preparing that, that people are going to get their thought life back. Right? Because with God's help, they are getting their mind right and making it obedient to Christ. Let's do a little recap. What do we know about winning the war in our mind? Here's what we know we know that most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Okay? I'm helping coach some boys basketball uh, right now. I've, I've done it for multiple years, right? And I've, I've played basketball for many years. I've played other sports too. One thing I've learned about in sports is if I have a mindset that these guys are going to beat us and we stink, guess what's going to happen? We're going to stink and they're going to beat us. But if I have a mindset that we're going to do our very best, we're going we're gonna to go through all of our, our, all of our plays and we're going to do uh, everything, we're going to work together as a team, right? Even the best team, right? Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, all, even like some little team can beat those teams if they play in unity and they play together. It happens. It's called March Madness, right? 16 seed has beaten a one seed more than once now. Insane. The, the percentage is like less than 1%. But do you think those teams went in and said, oh man, we're playing Duke, we're never going to win? Yeah, dude, don't show up. Quit wasting your money and flying all the way there. No, they go in with a mindset that they can win because most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. We also know that it's almost impossible to have a positive life when you have a negative mind, right? A lot of you are miserable because that's all you think about, misery. 
It's everyone else's fault and all this stuff has happened to me. And guess what? You're irritating everyone around you, by the way. Right? You don't recognize it because you're so used to talking and never listening. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be real because real things happen and stuff is, is tough. Life hurts, God heals, but things happen in your life. And if you are always, always negative in your mind, it is virtually impossible to have a positive life. Anybody this week had some irrational thoughts? Hey, hey, all my crazies was what? You don't even want to raise your hand. Now you're lying. Okay. Anybody have any runaway fears this week? Be real, man. This is real. This is church. God knows anyway. Okay. Anything, any of these things consume your mind? See, if we want, there's a lot of things that we can worry about, isn't there? Turn on the news. Pick your poison. There's a lot of bad things we can let our minds meditate on. And we can run ourselves into a dark place if we choose. It's easy to do. And for some people, it's almost automatic. Why? Because you have trained your brain to do that. That's why I want to start today's message off now with God's word. Will you open to Philippians chapter 4, please? Philippians chapter 4. There are Bibles here. If you need one, they're um, underneath you um, in a a pew. If you're in the very back, uh, you don't have one. You should have sat in a pew Um, or in the chairs or brought your own. We will have the message up or the the verses up here as well and uh, throughout the message. So if you want to go ahead and open Philippians, it's a New Testament book, right? This is one of the many books that the Apostle Paul wrote. The Apostle Paul was a wonderful guy. One time he was known as Saul and he was chasing down Christians. He didn't physically kill any Christians, but he got a group of people to kill multiple of them. Uh, He was a uh, judge and jury everywhere he went and he thought he was being a great religious leader. By casting judgment on multiple people. The guy was smart. I remember learning this in, uh, in my undergrad degree when I was out in, at Eugene Bible College. I remember that they, uh, they taught us that Paul potentially had uh, the equivalent of two doctorates. This guy was smart. Smart as smart can be. But then he got hit by the Holy Ghost. He encountered the living God. He encountered Jesus. Got literally knocked off his horse was blind until he submitted his life to Jesus and like scales they fell from his eyes. He, was, he went from not only being like he was, but his name Saul went to Paul. And Paul was so full of the Holy Spirit, so dedicated to God that he became one of the greatest people uh, in the history of anybody to follow Jesus. And, and he wrote a lot of our New Testament. And so a lot of times he wrote um, these, these letters, like Philippians. So this was written to a group of people, um, the Philippians. It'd be like somebody writing to wherever you live. Let's say you live in, um, yeah, I don't know, uh, Cedar Rapids or Des Moines. It'd be like the book of Des Moines, right? Or the book of Cedar Rapids or Fairfax or, or whatever it is, Palo. If it's Palo, it's probably a little book because Palo's little, but... Um, <laughs> like Philemon or something. Okay, um, so it's like this little book and it's written to people. He wrote to people or he wrote to churches. And this is a book written to a church. What I love about this, because it's God's word, these were written to specific people at a specific time in a specific church, but it is relevant for this church at this specific time and with these specific people. And guess what? It'll also be relevant to your kids, your grandkids and your great-great-grandkids. It'll go on forever and ever until Jesus returns and he, he 
tears up the, the whole world and he destroys Hollywood and all this stuff, right? Okay? So, <laughs> praise God. You heard me. Um, yeah, you heard me. Anyway, so uh, I like throwing those little things in there every once in a while. It's just fun. So, because it's true. So, um, but, but I love this book in Philippians. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's writing this book. Now, I don't know how he's writing it. He had to write it during the day because most of the time these prisons are pitch black, super dark. They're not like now where you get a full meal and you get cable and you get food, right? Better than most people live now. Um, but he's in a prison and he's waiting potential execution. He could be executed. He's writing in this Roman prison and he's writing this letter. And, and if you go to chapter 4, so that's the big number on your Bible, Philippians 4, and the little ones are verses. The Bible wasn't written with chapters and verses, but it definitely helps because right now is an example of that. So you know where I'm starting to read and where we're going to read today. Uh, that was put in hundreds of years ago to help us, so we're very thankful for that. Philippians chapter 4, Paul is writing to a, in a Roman prison. He's potentially going to face execution, but he has to tell this church what God is telling him. The Holy Spirit is speaking through him, and this is what he says. We're going to start in verse 6. It says this, don't worry about anything. I, what? Don't worry about anything. The guy in prison waiting for execution, who's been beat up, tarred and feathered, boiled. He's, he's been, I don't know if by then he's been, you know, people throwing stones at him, trying to kill him, running him down, chasing him down. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. That's good. Verse 7 says, Then you will experience, it's then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let's stop there. See, God's peace will guard your hearts and mind. You know, God isn't only concerned with how you feel. He's also concerned with how you think. Why do I know that? Even in his word, multiple times it says this, that God will provide his peace for your heart and he will provide peace for your mind as well. Okay? All right, let me skip over here. Let's keep reading. Philippians 4.8 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. One final thing. Right? That could be his one final thing because he could be dead before he even finishes this letter. But he is writing this and he says, one final thing, which is very important. When there's one more thing to go, you want to listen. It says this, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, why do we do this? Well, remember what we started with? We started with worry. Or, or some of your, your uh, versions say anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. We started with worry because sometimes we get worried. If you agree, say amen. amen. Sometimes we're worried and sometimes we're full of fear and sometimes our mind is a mess. And our emotions are following our thought life. 
And God tells us to do something about it. He gives us an answer. Paul tells us to fix our thoughts. Fix them. Right? Maybe had kids before. It's like, oh, it's a mess. It's a mess. Fix it. Fix it. Clean it up, man. It's a mess. Clean it up. Fix it. If I come back and this room is not clean, you're going to get some pow-pows and you're going to be grounded. Right? Now I'm just telling you childhood things about me. Okay, moving on. The Bible tells us how to fix them and with what, which I love. I love that the Bible doesn't just give you an answer. It also tells you how to find that answer, what to do about that answer, and how to get that answer. See, what's cool is the situation that we were worried about is still there. Right? It doesn't say that your situation is over. The situation you're still worried about is there, but your mind isn't there anymore because you fixed your thoughts. Church, be fixed on what is true, honorable, right, pure, and admirable. Think about excellent things. Think about things that are worthy of praise. How do you do that? You do that in prayer. Tell God what you need and remind yourself how thankful you are for all that God has done for you. See, this is how Pastor Mark said it last week. Here's a quote. Thank God for what didn't happen. See God's goodness in what did happen. End quote. So, the Bible, just we just read it. How do you keep from continuing to worry? I want to release you right now. You're going to worry. You're going to get anxious. That's okay. You're going to get angry. The Bible says don't get angry, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't say don't get angry. It says God even gets angry. That's not what it says. Some of y'all want to live at peace and, you know, go back to the 60s and smoke a bunch of stuff and think that peace is, peace is great. First off, you shouldn't do that, okay? Second off is living in Jesus isn't always full of peace. And it's not just this serenity. You haven't reached this heightened level of, of zen, okay? That is of the world. That is not of God, okay? It's okay to get angry, Bible says don't, get, don't sin in your anger. The same thing goes for this. You're going to worry. You're going to get anxious. But how do you not sin in that? How do you keep from continuing to worry? The Bible tells us. Pray. When worry comes, okay, number one. When worry comes, prayer should come next. Thanks, Josh. Number two, you tell God what you need. I love this. Be honest, be real, be authentic, share your needs. I don't know how many times my steering wheel got a beating because I am hitting the steering wheel and I'm in my car and I'm, God, how could this happen? How can you allow this? And it's a mess, I'm a mess. I'm telling him everything I'm feeling. You act like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. You're already doing it with your heart anyway. Let it out. Okay, don't let it out on a group of people because we're thinking, oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> First off, we'll pray for you, but if it keeps on going, we're going to lay hands on you and just go out in the name of Jesus. Shh. 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 Yeah. Right? Ah, shh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. You laugh because you wish some people would do that. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, in the name of shh. Jesus. No, but let it out. Be honest. God already knows your heart. Sometimes get alone with God and just release. 
The Bible tells us to. Be honest, be real. Tell God what you need. I need this. I have been sick this long. I've been hurt this long. This person is doing this in my life. My finances are like this. My family is like that. I need this, God. I need this. Your promises say. Your word says. Get real with God. And then third, before you're done, so it's not a giant complaint fest, okay? Tell God how thankful you are for what he has done. That's the order we just read in Philippians chapter four. What does it say? If you do that, here's what happens. Then God's peace will come. A peace that's beyond your understanding. That's insane, right? That's crazy. Beyond my understanding. All my circumstances are a mess. My emotions are a mess. My thought life's a mess. But if I stop and pray, I tell God all the things that I need. And then I tell him how thankful I am for the things that he has done. What he's doing now. What he's done in the past. How he's come through. It says that God's peace will come and it'll be beyond your understanding. See, your situation didn't change, but your mind did. Okay, let's read uh, verse 9, Philippians 4, 9. It says this, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. This is Paul. Everything you've heard from me and saw me doing, it is then. So if you keep putting this into practice, you keep doing what Paul has shown and done in his life, what he wrote. It says, then the God of peace will be with you. Wow. Anybody need the God of peace to be with them today? Can I get a testimony? I've labeled today's message, peace of mind. Will you look at your neighbor and say to them, peace be with you? Here's my prayer for you this morning. It's that God's peace will give you a peace of mind. But I want to talk about something very important before we get ready uh, to go to the next thing. Let's talk about worry. Let's talk about anxiety. Let's talk about our mind. Remember the key quote we have from Pastor Craig Rochelle? Uh, I was reading his book uh, a lot through this this series, and, and it says this quote, Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, end quote. Now, that's really good news if your thoughts are good, helpful, and positive. But that's really bad news if your thoughts are negative and full of anxiousness. So the past few weeks, we've been talking about both scripture and science. You know, God is the God of science, right? Now, I grew up in um, and went to public school. One thing I didn't learn in public school that, that private school teaches is that God is the God of science, right? Not even Darwin on his deathbed, right? Even Darwin on his deathbed said, I don't really know if I believe everything I just told everybody. You can read about it. It's true. It was a hypothesis. It was a theory, but it is sold as truth, okay? See, God's the God of science, He spoke everything into existence, right? These discoveries take place, and it's we're only discovering what God already knows because he made. But there's this thing in our human skulls, and it's this thing, this little almond-shaped 
portion in our brain called the amygdala. God made it, and he put it in there. And the amygdala is an interesting little part of your brain. It's part of your brain that's wired for survival. Anytime you're in danger, this God-given portion of your brain, the amygdala, kicks in, and it does send your body these signals of adrenaline. It says this, be on guard. Be aware. Be alert. Yeah, that's for you. Or run for your life. God gave us this portion of our brain for our protection. Here's the problem. The amygdala is not objective. It's simply hardwired to protect, and it's very eagerly, uh, easily triggered. I want to tell you a story about my life, okay? I'm in fifth grade, um, and I went to play baseball for the very first time. I just joined the Boy Scouts. and went from Cub Scouts to Boy Scouts. So I'm one of the youngest. I'm with a bunch of older kids. And we went to this local park back in Oregon where I grew up, and uh, I knew the Boy Scouts were going to have this really cool get-together, and they're going to play some baseball at a, at a local field. So my mom was taking me over there. I knew they were much older, and I've never done baseball before, so I wanted to learn from these guys to further that, right? It's my first time. I'm like, what's better than learning baseball from people who know how to play baseball? Let's, let's do this. So my mom drops me off. And uh, she's starting to drive away. And uh, I, I'm like, okay, cool. So right now, it's just a few people uh, showing up. There's this guy that's pitching and another guy who's, uh, you know, he's just swinging and they're just practicing. Other guys are thrown out in the, in the field. They're getting ready for some games. And there's this uh, bag and it's full of bats. You know, it's a bat bag. Wow, cool. And uh, uh, so it's right there. And so I'm like this and I'm, I bend over and I go to pick, pick it up and they say, heads up, Boom. I'm not out in the spirit. I wish I was that time. Heads up. Huh? Boom. Hits me in the head. I'm out cold. Fifth grade. All of a sudden, I wake up. My mom's over me going, ah, ah, ah. Right? She's freaking out. And all the other guys are standing around going, ooh. And I'm just like, oh, what is going on? All of a sudden, they pick me up. They carry me to the car. They drive me over uh, to the house. My mom gets my dad and goes, you know, my dad, his name's Harris, like mine, but he goes by Harry. Harry, 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 we need you. Harry, 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 Harris is hard on. I'm like, I'm freaking out. Like, what has happened to me? Am I dead? Did my head explode? Is there brain everywhere? I don't know what's going on. You know, so they rush me to the doctor. They do a scan and they realize he does have a brain. No, um, that was for you, honey. That was for you. I love you. Um, they rushed me to the doctor. And this is what the doctor says. At least this is what I remember. They didn't have any rooms open, so I had to go to like a, a different kind of uh, a room. But they got me in. They scanned me. And uh, I mean, it, and you'll see it every once in a while when I'm real, real hot. There's a little red spot right here because I still have scar tissue. It hit me right here. Now, this is the thickest part of your skull, praise God. They told me if I didn't turn my head anymore, if it hit my temple, it could have killed me. They told me if I lifted my eye a little bit, it would have hit my orbital bone, broke it, and possibly blinded this eye. But I turned my head just enough, bam, knock on the ground, out cold. Now, here's the bad thing. For three days straight, I had a headache. Day and night, day and night. 
It swelled out to an inch. It looked like I was growing a unicorn horn or something. It was, it was not magical, though, let me tell you. It was, it was disgusting. Um, it was just a big old, big old egg right there. Just boom. And then at the time, I was a high jumper, right? Now this white boy can't jump at all, but that's for real. Um, so, yeah, something about this basketball that's here instead of here. I don't know. It's an anchor, right? Jesus is an anchor to my soul, and this is the anchor to my feet. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here for a little bit longer and next week. Hallelujah. See me Wednesday. Okay. Um, it's bad. So I have a headache for three days. Now, now it's swelling goes down. It goes into my eye. Now my eye is just blood red, like literally blood in my eyeball. I mean, I look like something off of Lord of the Rings. It's weird. So, um, and then it swells shut. Now I'm, I'm in a competition where I have to do a high jump and I'm running and I'm like, bing, I'm running right. There's no peripheral vision. There is no depth perception with one eye, right? You ever run with one eye before? So it was bad. It was traumatic. And let me tell you, I never played baseball again. <laughs> That's my childhood, man. It's true. One and done. First time ever trying, I get hit in the head. Now I'm afraid of every baseball game. I never went to a game. I never watched it on TV. I'd actually get uh, to a sporting store and I would avoid the baseball section. Every time I played catch, it didn't matter what ball it was, a football, whatever it was, just, just toss, I was always super afraid that it was going to hit me in the head. Why? Because my amygdala was kicking in and said, get out of here, danger, danger, danger. Back in fifth grade, my amygdala was triggered by a baseball and it caused me many, many, many years to pause, hesitate, and worry every time a baseball was near. Sometime I have to tell you how God redeemed that in my 30s, 30s, fifth grade to my 30s. I was afraid. I never went to a game, never watched it on TV. I was afraid, so fearful. Why? Because that part of my brain was hardwired to protect. This is why our amygdala needs a little help from a thing called um, a prefrontal cortex. God gave us in our skulls a prefrontal cortex. What is the point of a prefrontal cortex? It's the logical part of our brain. It's the part that tends to think logically. Here's an example. You're at home. It's at nighttime. You hear a loud noise out, uh, outside, and the amygdala, amygdala screams, Hide! We're all going to die! It's a bomb! It's a bomb! It's surely a bomb! Okay? And the prefrontal cortex steps in and says, No! It's probably just an animal outside getting in the trash again. No one's going to die. There's a logical explanation for this loud noise. Right? The amygdala is all panic and our prefrontal cortex is all logic. Here's the biggest problem with the amygdala. It always responds to pre-programming. In other words, if you had an alarming, you've had an intense or you've had a traumatic experience in your life, you will tend to believe that every baseball is dangerous and it's going to hit you in the head. Or every loud noise that happens at night because something that happened to you a long, go, long time ago, maybe there was gunshots, maybe there was a beating, or maybe something came home, your, your dad or your uncle or your mom or whoever came home and beat you, whatever it is. Your amygdala kicks in when you hear something that triggers that and you think you're in danger. Here's a fact. 
There are people in this very room, there are people that are watching online right now that because of some hurt or some fear or some trauma or even perhaps a misunderstanding, whatever it is that happened to you, church, you're living with feelings of anxiety, fear, and tension. These feelings come upon you and they fill your mind and your heart. And most of the time when it happens, it happens without you even understanding why it is happening. Why? Because your heart and your mind starts to race. You go to the worst case scenario because your amygdala is triggering you because it's been pre-programmed. Think about it. Have you ever found yourself short of breath, worried, or trying to control things you can't even control? Just simply because you're feeling overwhelmed and you have a runaway mind? Have you ever been there before? I have too. This is why Paul says from a Roman prison, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. It's then, it is then, it is then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Church, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Does that, I don't know about you, that statement almost feels impossible. But is it impossible? If it were impossible, why would God tell us not to worry about anything, to not be anxious about anything? Why would God say that? Why would God say he could trade our worry for his peace? The Bible says when worry comes, what comes next? Prayer. What comes after that? Tell God everything that you need. Be honest, be real, be authentic. Give him a piece of your mind. Give him a piece of your heart so he can give you peace of mind. And then third, before you're done, so it's not just a complain fest, tell God how thankful you are for what he's done. See, it's then that God's peace will come. Your situation didn't change, but your mind did. Amen? Here's some really good news. We're getting close to the end here. Church, if it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. It's true. Part of the reason why I walked around and told you it's going to be okay. I think that's what our Father in Heaven will want you to know this morning. It is going to be okay. Why? Because He cares about you more than you can even dream or imagine. His peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know what's really sad is a lot of Christians undervalue and discount the power of prayer. The same God who moves mountains, the same God who raises the dead, the same God who forgives sinners and sets them free, the same God who heals the sick and opens blind eyes is the same God who can trade your worry for his peace. So, why didn't you pray? Why didn't you thank God for what he's done? Maybe, just maybe, you forgot just how powerful prayer 
really is. I love this saying. I, I heard it a long time ago. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Follower of Jesus, we have to recognize that prayer is never our last line of defense. Prayer is always our first line of offense. It is not last, it is first. I'm going to skip some of this stuff. I just want you to know I did a lot of research. And through my research, prayer actually changes your brain. There's a quote from a lady named Dr. Carolyn Leaf. And uh, she, she uh, did this book, and it's called Switch on Your Brain. And here's a quote, a scientific quote that she found out. It says this, quote, It's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period, so 12 minutes for eight weeks straight, seven times eight, 56, 56 days, 12 minutes a day, it says, can change your brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. End quote. It, it seems crazy to think that, but if you think a negative thought every day for 12 minutes a day for eight weeks, your brain also can be registered on a brain scan. Not only does prayer touch the heart of God, but prayer actually changes your brain. So, Pastor, why do we worry? Why do we find ourselves so anxious at times? Shouldn't we as Christians completely trust in God? Why is it that our minds often race to irrational ways? Science would tell us that in many cases we're experiencing an amygdala hijack. Our little amygdala is saying, you're in trouble. You better take control. You better stay up all night and worry about this one thing because if you don't worry, it's going to get worse. That's so logical. You're right. Not only will we worry, we'll be tired. And not only will we be tired, we might not feel good. Yep, I'm going to stay up all night and worry. That's a good idea. See, science would, would, would say that we're experiencing an amygdala hijack, but Scripture says that our mind is dominated by sinful thinking. Think about it. Here's a, what's a simple definition of worry and fear? Simple. I'll give it to you. Worry is not trusting in the promises of God and not trusting in the power of God. That simple. Worry and fear simply is not trusting in the promises of God and not trusting in the power of God. When you continue to worry, when you continue to be anxious and have anxious thoughts, here's what you're telling God. I don't trust you. I trust me. Or I trust the circumstance I'm in right now. So this is what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to choose to worry. We've all done it. We have sinful nature, and we have anxious thoughts. They control our life at times. So we have to ask the Spirit of God to direct our thoughts. Through the power of God's word, his word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It says it goes deeper than bone and marrow. It gets to the heart, soul, and it gets to our mind. See, God's word can renew our amygdala by a prefrontal spiritual encounter. Scientifically, let your prefrontal cortex grab the amygdala by the neck and say, you quit being so irrational. We're choosing to be spiritual today. We're going to give this to God. Spiritually, 
You're going to take captive every thought and you're going to fix your thoughts. You're going to pray. You're going to confess, let it out. And then you're going to be thankful. I want to read this last verse and then I'm going to have us do something before we close. I'll have worship team come up in just a moment. Romans 8, 5 and 6 says this. Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to a life. And what, church? Say it like you know it. And peace. Wow. Letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Church, it's time to change your mind so God can change your life. What is it that worries you? What has your amygdala on repeat? Pew, 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 right? Oh, we've had that before. It's going to happen again. Oh, that problem happened. That situation happened. That trauma happened. That issue, whatever. I feel like I'm rapping almost. Okay, so but whatever, it's on repeat. My amygdala is definitely rapping. I like rap. So, um, but I want to just shh, right? Shh, right? What has your amygdala on repeat? Think about it. Think about what you think about. Remember the first week? Think about what you think about and think about why and how you think about what you think about. Think about it. What has your amygdala on repeat? See, we're going to take time right now to do a godly principle that Paul taught us 2,000 years ago from a Roman prison in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, Will you please take out your little piece of paper? Worship team, will you please come up? Grab your little paper. Everybody should have got one when they came in. If you didn't get one, um, write on your neighbor's hand. Take out your little piece of paper. You're going to want a pen or pencil as well. There's little tiny pencils in the pews. See, I knew they weren't only for golf, mini golf. They're also for church. Okay? That's how we're going to end our service today. If you were here with us this entire month, every single service, we not only gave the word, but we gave a, a very practical application. And that is today as well. Okay? Okay? Everybody got their paper? If you have your paper, say, got it. Got it. Awesome. That's strong. You with all those people leaving? No. That's all people keep on leaving. There's still a good crowd in here. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you're going to take this piece of paper. Here's what we're going to do, number one. I'm going to repeat this a couple times. I'm going to read scripture. The worship team's going to worship just slowly, and we're going to do something before we go, okay? I want to encourage everybody to do this, okay? Number one, write down your main anxiety, your main fear, your main worry. I want you to write it down right now on a piece of paper. Write it. What is that thing? Write it down. What's your main one? What has your amygdala on repeat? What are you constantly uh, anxious about? What, you, what, what, is, what makes you worry frequently? What is it? Write that thing down, okay? Okay, everybody got it? If you got it, say I got it. Okay, we'll wait for a couple more. We're getting it now. At home, same thing. Write on a piece of paper. Spray paint on your wall, whatever. 
It's funny because we can't see it. <laughs> then clean it off later. Write down that thing, that main anxiety, that main worry, that main fear, okay? All right, here in a moment. Good job on the lights, awesome. This is what I want you to do. Around that little thing, connected to that, the Bible tells us that we have to tell God what we need. I want you to write a whole hot mess of stuff on there, right? Whatever it is, if it's health, if it's, if it's uh, fear, if it's worry, if it's anxiety, if it's uh, trauma, if it's abuse, if it's um, finances, if it's your marriage, if it's your relationship, whatever. Write that there and I want you to do a bunch of connectors to that. Tell God all the things, everything you can think of connected to that. Share your heart, be honest, be real, be authentic. Let it out on paper, write it down. I want you to write it around, okay? Once you're done with that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that paper and I want you to flip it over and I want you to write all the things you're thankful to God about. What you're thankful to God about. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, got me through here. Thank you, you were here. Thank you, God, that I'm, I'm gonna get through this or that or whatever. Thank the Lord. Okay? And here's the last thing. When you're done writing your main anxiety, all the things that go with it, and you flip it over, and you tell God how thankful you are, and what he's done and what he's gonna do, when you're finished, it's time to come to the altar to be altered. I want you to lay that piece of paper down. I want you to lay that worry down. I want you to pick up God's peace, his peace of mind. Let me read this verse to you. We're gonna worship and I want you to do that. You just come when you can, okay? Philippians 4, 6 and 9 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we could ever understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard, me, uh, heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Father, I pray that you be with these pieces of paper. May they be more than words. May they be something that will transform their mind, which will transform their emotions, which will transform their thoughts, which will transform their lives. Father, as they write these things down and they confess them and they write all the things that they're thankful for, when they lay it down, I pray supernaturally you do some miracle in their life. Give them a peace that surpasses their understanding. Break the bondage, change their amygdala, let them get in a spiritual prefrontal cortex situation that God, you are the God of truth and you will take care of your children. You love us and we love you and we need you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. They're gonna sing and I just want you to continue doing that. Write down your main worry or fear, all the things around it, flip it over, tell God all the things you're thankful for and come and lay it at the altar and pick up peace of mind from the Lord.